Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Hello. Thanks for pressing play on It's All Cobblers to me this week. Before we start, I just wanted to say thank you for listening and to let you know that we've updated our Patreon page. It now reflects a little bit more like what you would expect from a football podcast. The Patreon was set up to help grow the podcast, and with your donations, we've already been able to cover our costs in regards to hosting the podcast and getting it out there. But we're still wanting to do more and get better equipment for all of us to be using every time we record and to make it easier for us to record as well. It takes an awfully long time to not only record, but then edit and then publish it and get it out there. So with that in mind... I would really like it if you could and you think it's worth it, then just head over to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me where you'll find a whole host of different tiers which are basically support levels starting at $2 where you can buy us a Twix as you would do on a match day or you can buy us a pint or there's further options as well if you can afford to and you want to spend any extra money. In return, what you will get is more content from us. We're going to start releasing bonus episodes for Patreon-only subscribers. And there's also on there already the options to be able to watch any of the interviews that we've actually done with any of the previous players that have appeared on the podcast over the last month or so. They're unedited as well, so you can see the whole conversation that we've had with these former players. If you don't think it's worth it, that's absolutely fine. If you'd like to just continue listening to the podcast for free... That's absolutely not a problem. You go and do that. The fact that you listen is absolutely amazing to us and will always be that. Thank you for your support. And if you do want to go that little bit further, then just head over to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Charles, Chessie and Danny are here with me as usual and joining us to talk about the playoffs, the East Stand and more is BBC Final Score and Radio Northampton presenter Mark Webber. Yes, we're bringing out the big guns. <laughs> welcome Mark. <laughs> How are you, mate? You okay? You've only got me because Neil's on the golf course. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yes, you're you're exactly right. But I think we're replacing Neil with someone much better. If I, I must bless you, bless you. Play that to him. <laughs> it's a high money summer transfer. It's been drafted in just for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah. You're like a ringer. <laughs> so how how's your uh, How's your three months of lockdown been, Mark? What have you been doing on Saturday afternoons? Oh, my word. I've been playing stand-up bingo like everybody else. That's the only thing to do, <laughs> isn't it, on a Saturday afternoons? No, it's been odd. Um, 
it, it, some people, obviously, uh, colleagues of mine have, have just gone from having a lot of work suddenly to no work. And, um, you know, I feel guilty sometimes when I turn around there and say, well, although I haven't got a final score and although we, we haven't been doing the cobbler show, I've been doing other bits and bobs. But I've been fairly busy, um, all, all coronavirus related and sport related. So I've been absolutely busy. But, um, yeah, it's look. It's got to happen. I'm glad we're back, and um, I'm glad you know we've got something to talk about. I'd hate to be, well, under normal circumstances, I'd hate to be a Peterborough fan, but uh, especially today, <laughs> uh, when you know, to be fair, they, they have no football now until whenever we can all restart in in the autumn. Poor, poor posh. Bye, Dara. <laughs> well, you've mentioned the Cobbler show already, Mark, so we might as well tell everybody the real reason that you're here. The Cobbler in the Crowd initiative that the football club launched, oh, it's about a week and a half ago now, isn't it? Um, fantastic things have been going on. And you picked up on one thing in particular that some of our fellow Cobblers fans have been doing, haven't you? Yeah, I noticed when um, it was announced by the club, oh, it's a brilliant idea and it's it's a natural thing to do, I think. Um, noticed once or twice, or oh, well, more than that, people tweeting saying, well, I'm not just going to get one for me, I'm going to get one for a relative who sadly passed away, a big Cobblers fan. I want them to be there for this moment and, and I think that would be quite special. And I thought that's not only a great thing to do and, and generally a good idea, but I then thought, well, let's hear some of the stories behind that. Let's hear about some of those people who will be going for that one last game. Let's hear about how much they love the Cobblers, their special moments, and how they introduce the people who are taking them, in inverted commas, to the game. So we've got about um, five or six already we've done a chat to. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, a couple of those stories will be broadcast on The Breakfast Show with Annabelle the grand aim for me was always that after the game, at some stage, we'd gather all those stories together and we would make a radio documentary about all of those stories. So uh, sometime in the near future, there will be a radio documentary. Um, uh, but if you are listening to this before the game and you still haven't contacted me um, with your story and you'd like to be featured, get in touch with me, usual things. You know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And um, one person, of course, who's done that is the person virtually to my left Danny <laughs> to your left in many more ways than one yes yes possibly yes <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah to be fair um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great chat with your producer, Mark, on uh, Friday. And yeah, yeah really soothing ni- Northern Irish tones really helped me through it. So. <laughs> Hot <laughs> and Andy. Hot Andy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually a really nice um, experience to actually talk about it and to actually talk about stuff that probably haven't talked about in a couple of years so um yeah it was a, i'm really looking forward to hearing a lot more stories from other people as well yeah we've got some good ones uh coming through uh, people of all ages you, you know there's obviously people who uh who lived a long life and, and and passed on but you know unfortunately we've lost a couple of cobblers way too early and we'll be hearing about some of their stories as well and i think that's you know, it's just a good way of capturing it for me. You know, that audio will always be there somewhere of, of that story and uh, other people will get to understand why it's so important. People like Danny have, have, have put somebody else in the stand with them. And, um, yeah, we're going to be seeing a fair few faces like that. The obvious ones, of course, Dave Bowen will be there. Walter Tull will be there. Um, but um, uh, Harry Dunn will be there, of course. But, uh you know, plenty of other stories that perhaps haven't been told to this point. 
yeah, it's a, been a fantastic initiative by the club um, to take it on and then to go out there and, and get, as you say, all those names as well. Uh, Shaq, of course, oh, Chantel yes. Cameron, she'll be there as well. Um, you know, lots of, you know, well-known Northampton supporting celebrities will be in the crowd as well as myself looking very angry, actually, I must say. <laughs> Do you remember... Do you remember a few years ago, and I think it was either for uh, the season ticket advertising or for the uh, the new shirt advertising, where Rico was screaming at the camera with his fists up. Yeah. I basically went and replicated that, and uh, <laughs> needless to say, I didn't get the fan mail, fan mail that Rico does. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's achieved a little bit more, hasn't he? But to be fair, um, as long as they put that on the Cheltenham side, that might uh, scare a few people away on their side, and might do what we want to do. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Brilliant. And I and I was already paranoid about the lockdown. <laughs> no, uh, fantastic. Look, uh, obviously, we're recording this just as the deadline has passed. I don't know, Danny, have the club released a figure yet? Um, I haven't seen a figure yet, no. Um, there was about 800 at five o'clock, and I think we were trying to catch Cheltenham's. Cheltenham were on about 836 at that point, so I think the plan was to open it for three more hours and try and catch them. Um, I know the website no. went down. I know the website went it down did. in the last hour and a half. That that is obviously due to demand. Um, it's it's the same as everything else because you bought your ticket and then you've been given a week and a half to sort of <laughs> upload your photo. It's just like some of my students at the university. They leave their homework right until the last minute. <laughs> they upload to the uh, uh, the system and then you know send me emails at two minutes past midnight wondering why the system's crashed and they can't get it up. You're not wrong. I only sent my picture in at about two o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> Just on that as well. Those. I mean, at least I'd bought my ticket beforehand, though, in fairness. <laughs> on that, Charles, as well, can we just give a shout-out to Matt at the club as yeah. well? Matthew, yeah. Matt um, Derrick, I think it is, who's constantly he's just been replying to all of these messages and all of these photos and you expect when you send it in you think oh, i'm just gonna get like an automatic response but actually he's been typing a lot of responses just himself and talking to people about their stories uh, mm. behind the faces in the crowd and i think it's just another reason another example of the club just really stepping up um at this time just another great thing it's the little touches like that that make you feel like really connected to the club again I mean, it's, you know, there's lots going on for the, the media team this week. I mean, you know, they're doing programmes for the game as well, and they'll be supplying to Cheltenham, who will do an away programme on Monday. They've not only got people like me saying, I'm back in work now, give us some interviews for the Cobblers show, but, of course, there's national and international media attention on them now as well, and they're running this event. So... You know, it's, there's a lot of work for them to do in a short amount of time. It will be very much like the sort of big games of old, the Manchester Uniteds for them in terms of the preparation and the the, the media queries they they uh, would have had. And of course, on top of that, then we get the uh, the added news about a uh, possible breakthrough in the East End, which we're going to deal with as well. Yeah, that's right. And we'll come on to that later. But I think this is the perfect opportunity, actually. You mentioned the amount of media attention that the club has been receiving over the course of the week. Well, some of that attention has been coming from us. On Thursday, the 18th of June, the Cobblers entertained Cheltenham Town in the League Two playoffs. And we're going live on Zoom for a special live playoff preview bonanza. That's right. Bonanza. We're going to take... Great <laughs> you word. love that word, absolutely, don't you? Love absolutely love it. Amazing word. I think Neil came up with it, right? 
Yeah, but he's not here, so let's all take the credit <laughs> on his behalf. So it's absolutely fine. Yeah, so we're going to go live on Zoom, so we're going to take our audio-only podcast and show you all our ugly mugs and Danny's great big beard, and uh, that's going to go live on Zoom at a quarter to seven, one hour before kickoff on Thursday. If you want to join us, then please do. We're going to put the link out through our website and through our social media closer to the time. But basically, what you're going to have is imagine Sky Sports and how they do their previews the the hour before a game kicks off. We're going to have a go at doing that. And I know that Danny is ready and raring to go, aren't you? I am. I've got my stats boards. Um, I'm going to be outside in a tactics van like Andy Townsend used to be. Um, what else have I got ready? I've got a few things ready. On the beard, Charles, quickly, I did. It, it has grown to epic proportions, and that's only because I said when Sam Hoskins got sent off against Mansfield, I'm going to grow my beard until he's back. Little did I know at the time how long it was going to be. <laughs> so when he comes back from the second leg, I might give it a shave. But um, yeah, apologies in advance to anyone coming into Zoom. Uh, I have got a face somewhere behind the beard. <laughs> Oh dear. Some of the other faces that we're going to be seeing. Kelvin Thomas has promised to pop in and have a five minute um, de-nerve is I think the way that he called it. He said yes, anything to take his mind off the nerves pre-match. So he's going to pop in and say hello. We've got plenty of messages from the players as well and we're also having a preview that is being recorded uh, with Cheltenham Town's match day reporter for their local paper. So imagine a James Hennigan from Cheltenham that's what we're looking at and that's who you're going to hear from with regards to the Cheltenham point of view if you do want to come and join us and please do it's completely and utterly free we're just doing it for a bit of fun and to give something back to you guys who listen to us every single week because we really do appreciate it so it's on at 6 45 p.m on Thursday the 18th of June for around about 50 minutes so we'll be stopping about 10 minutes before kickoff, just to make sure that we've all got time to move over from our TV screen with the uh, with the Zoom on to switch over to Sky Sports or whatever it is that the playoffs are going to be showing on. But we're really looking forward to it, and we hope that you can be there too. Chess is going to need to unplug one of her signals and plug in the other one as well. So that's going to be far too much, <laughs> far too much streaming and TV streaming for, for one Somerset household, surely, right? Yeah, I think I might have to get the entire street to turn off all internet so that I can get on. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. And, and of course, I, sh- I should point out that if you really don't want to watch us, then I think that either Mark or one of his colleagues will probably be on Radio Northampton at the same time, won't No, they, no, watch you instead, watch you. Um, <laughs> we're, not, we're coming on about half past seven. Um, so you've got Tim Wheeler not with his normal show from six till half seven. And then we, uh, we'll have uh, Jake and, and Oglethorpe live from the ground uh, from about half past seven and then finishing, obviously, whatever time it does finish. Um, I'm a bit worried because Oglethorpe hasn't had his COVID test yet. Um, so uh, if he fails it on Monday, if you hear a club announcement about somebody failing it in Northampton Town on Monday, it's probably not one of the players. It's probably Tim Oglethorpe. And then we'll be putting out a call, uh, a call for a commentator <laughs> if anybody's free. <laughs> Can we send Neil, please? Yeah, <laughs> actually, well, we've got P. Walton co-commentating as well. Um, nice. So you know, if Walton doesn't pass his COVID test either, 
then uh, if you can have Neil on standby, if you could take a swab at Neil's nose when you see him back from the golf course <laughs> later, that would be great. I mean, what I... Well, to, go on. I was going to say, to be fair, we, he's actually had a test and he has come back negative. Oh, brilliant. I.e. he hasn't got it. Okay. So he has actually had... He's the only one out of all of us, but he he's definitely not got it. Tell him to leave his mobile on on, on Wednesday, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a funny old situation, though, because obviously... Uh, we've been working out or we've been waiting to hear what the plan is. You know, how many of us can get into that commentary box? What's the spacing yeah. going to be like? And uh, it's only going to be Jake. Um, it's going to be, uh, no, it's not even going to be Jake. Jake's going to be in the studio uh, and it's going to be Tim and Pete Walton in the commentary box at the ground. And um, I think Hennigan and uh, Jeremy Casey have got a space and then the, uh, right, the right, the rival setup from um, the other sides as well, uh, and I think there will be somebody there from uh, Talk Sports too. So um, it's it's probably well, it's probably about fifty percent down on um, uh, other uh, however many people they're going to get in the press box because there's normally a couple of national newspapers there, but I suspect uh, they will be told they have to take press association. Uh, text on that and and write it up themselves or watch it from uh, their own offices. That's interesting. So poor old Jake won't even get to watch it. No, he's got to press the buttons our end. Um, that that's fifty percent of fifty um, percent of the restrictions in the ground in the terms of personnel, but fifty percent of our restrictions at, at Radio Northampton. Obviously, we've we've got a similar situation where. You know, we've got fewer people in the building. There's more social spacing. And when your average, you know, any other normal show is on, uh, normally tend to only allow one or two people in the studio. Um, so we've got, you know, a lot of, uh, a few staff like me, for example. So, for example, when I do the Cobbler Show on Wednesday, I won't be in the studio in Northampton. Actually, I'll be from home um, and I'll be doing it from there. But Jake will be in the studio. Uh, so we're trying to obviously limit the amount of people that are in this in the uh, building at any one time. So 50% of it is that, and 50% is it what the EFL regulations are. I'm Joel Byram, and it's all cobblers to me. Speaking of the playoffs, I suppose we should really talk about the game, shouldn't we? Um, I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it quietly, but I think we've got a chance. I agree. I absolutely 150% agree. All bets are off, actually. Um, this is not like the playoffs we know where there has been some previous form or there's been the usual thing of the team at the bottom does very well. I think it is a very low level playing field. However, there's one thing that sticks in my mind uh, that I actually think might give Northampton Town a chance on the home leg. And, you know, both games are going to be played behind closed doors. Both sets of players are going to find that odd and they're going to need to get used to that. Um, but Northampton Town, don't forget, have had far more experience this season of playing with no crowds. And that's no go at the attendance at the PTS. <laughs> There's a valid point behind this. And the valid point is, don't forget, the Cobblers have been training at the PTS all year. They know what it's like to be in that ground when there's nobody there. So I actually think that's a bit of a bonus. And I think it won't phase them to come out with that. And I hope, in a way, that Sky don't force the crowd noise in the open air. And as a result, they just get natural sounds and, and they'll be fine with that. Cheltenham might not be so used to it. 
Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. When we spoke to Rico a couple of weeks back, he said that back when, obviously, the, the Chris Wilder's era, um, there was no training ground either. So there was a lot of um, toing and froing and training at the stadium as well. And Rico said that that was in part what brought the club as a whole together, i.e. all of the staff, not just the players. Um, uh, that's a that's another really good reason for actually keeping everything at the one place and, and in the stadium. I mean, I'm sure the groundsman doesn't appreciate it quite as much. But, uh, I mean, to be fair, the picture I saw on Twitter earlier on today, the pitch is looking great. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think with, with this playoff campaign, I don't know whether we even call it a campaign because actually we've kind of fallen into it as such. But I think I've said this a couple of times. It's like a tournament, yeah, Jesse. It's, it's like a World exactly. Cup. Um, with I've said this before and... I think it would be the most Keith Curl way to get promoted, given that he's never had a promotion before. But what is, I think, really significant for us as a club, not only just the fact that what we look to be quite financially stable on paper, um, is that actually we weren't in form coming into this. And we'd lo- what we'd lost three on the bounce and we'd had a, an absolute mare against um, Mansfield. And it, it almost is as if it's it's meant to be, we're meant to be in that spot. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with it. Given that actually, I think all of the players know they're very lucky to be in the position they are. So we either take that chance or we don't. It's, it's, it's totally on us. You know, we, we are the, we are the makers of our own destiny as such. So, and then that is the same for all four teams, but actually when you consider the fact that we are in the playoffs with, what is it? A 10th of a point in front of Port Vale, we've, you know, you take that opportunity and you snap their arm off, don't you? You, you just go with it. Oh yeah. So definitely, you know, it's like the whole thing, a reset button has been pressed. Mm. I mean, I, I keep going back to, and I'm glad Mark, that you, you said about, you know, there is no form because I was quite worried that someone was going to be a Steve McManaman and, and turn <laughs> around and start talking about form. Um, no doubt someone on Sky probably will on Thursday. <laughs> um, but it, it's been a chance to get all these players back fit. You, Harry Smith is definitely fit again. Jay, oh, I can't Olinka. say his name. Jay, Oli Inka, yep. LinkedIn. There Link- we go. He's back. Alan McCormack, your favourite, Jesse. We love Alan McCormack. <laughs> we just need to, well, guys, I mean, we just need to make sure, right? Seriously, the bubble wrap is secure <laughs> and he's completely bubble wrapped <laughs> until Thursday at, at 7.45. Okay? <laughs> I mean, the only the only issue for Keith Curl is going to be who's going to play instead of Sam Hoskins. It's irreplaceable. And I know, counts. Danny, you've been taking a while to think about this. Yeah, it's, it's irreplaceable. Isn't he? Well, you'd hope he has not. played. He's played. Pretty, he's trialed pretty much the rest of the team in that position, though. So, <laughs> I'm sure, it won't be a problem. I heard he was getting Kevin Van Veen back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear that uh, if Hoskins wasn't uh, suspended, he'd be playing instead of Di Cornell. Because let's face it, that's the only position he's probably not played this season, is it? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Maybe he'll just leave it for like a, prim- a, a, a penalty shootout. Yeah, <laughs> stick Sam in mm. just to get him in goal. What are we looking at? Like a Harriman or I would imagine is... What about Ole Yinka? I don't Where, know. What, I he, wouldn't call him he's a midfielder. Right? He's a central midfielder. Yeah, but, he, but wouldn't it would work, surely? 
I'm not sure. We've only seen him for like 40 minutes. Yeah, but he was <laughs> rapid. He was rapid. So surely you want someone with a bit of speed. What about if he doesn't even play that formation? That's very oh, true, Mark. That's very oh, true. Curveball. He's just had three months to think of a new system. He's <laughs> <laughs> been working on it in his basement. Yeah, just getting yeah. prepared. He knew, he knew coronavirus was coming, Keith Girl. He knew that he was going to get months off. Months yeah. off. So he thought, right, okay. Let's follow them. They all think I play this way. They all think I'm three five two. Nah, not having any of it, mate. Bring out the big guns when it matters. Actually, in a serious point, he obviously gets criticised. Before we move away from the Sam Hoskins thing, he obviously gets criticised for you know whether this is a team that could play creative football in League One if it went up, and that it's it's dull football. Uh, I will always advocate he's had to play the football he needs to play this season to get this club out of the league. Totally it's not crazy, it's not beautiful, it's, it's, it's effective. And I think if we get up, if we're lucky to get up and we go up, I think all better off in terms of who will be playing for the Cobblers next season. And that's not saying yeah. he'll have a clean sweep through, but he will build for a side that is League One. I think you know he's just playing the team now he has to play to get Northampton Town out of this division. And that's all we should all be thinking about at this stage. Oh, definitely. I mean, the one thing that I would say to that is that I actually do hope that if we get promoted, which is more of a when than an if, um, (laughs) the thought of losing another manager because of promotion, as we have done the the previous two times at least, um, with Wilder and and Calderwood before him, um, I, I... Personally, we've said it before, haven't we, Danny, that, mm-hmm. that that isn't going to happen this time because even we as Northampton fans sometimes give Curl a bit of stick. Yeah, but the, the, I think the problem we've got is his contract running out in in some ways is that he might then think himself, what can I, get, what can I do? He's going to have the freedom to compare what we offer to somebody else. Um, I, I can't imagine him being someone who would just rock up and leave. Um, it feels like he's got a project in mind um, himself. Um, but at the, on, by the same token, I, I can't see him as the type of manager that a League One club like has, like has happened before, coming in and sweeping and grabbing him. I just, I just can't see it happening. I think it's absolutely imperative that we do all we can to keep hold of him if we are successful in the playoffs. Because I think, you know, no one can argue that Chris Wilder should have gone to Sheffield United. It, it was meant to be. Um and, you know, Calder went off to Forest. We could sit here for hours saying the what-ifs, but we know from experience of being Cobblers fans that for the last two times we've been in League One, it has not worked. And the main reason it has not worked is because there's been no stability in moving the club from League Two to League One. And you cannot underestimate the achievement it is to stay in League One just by one place. And if we have to ride out a season, maybe two seasons just about surviving to then build with the same manager and get some consistency at this club, which has been missing for a long time, I think it's quite vital. Look, let's let's not forget, we're getting massively ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and it would be easy to spend the next 20 minutes talking about who we would keep and who we would let go if we went into League One. We're not going to. Um, We've still got three games to win before we actually get to talk about that. So we will park it and we'll come back to it. And, you know, what, Mark, we'll, we'll get you back on. We'll, we'll let you have your say about Sam Oskins. Yeah, I'll be back on for uh, the, the post-Wembley show. Don't worry about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> on that quickly, though, as well, Charles, I, I think, actually, if we stay down 
um, I'd keep hold of Curl as well at this oh, point. Oh, I agree. Yeah, totally agree. We because just need I just, stability. I don't, yeah, I don't see anything. You're already saying that because Neil's not here. <laughs> oh, no, I'd say he was here. I feel like over the last couple of months, I've really warmed to him as a person. Um, and that's really Neil. Yeah, Neil as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like changing again for at this point, even though it'd be disappointing not to go up. It just, and, and clearly, like we've spoken to Nicky Adams, haven't we, that he speaks really well of him um a lot yeah, of- well that's because he's his son <laughs> <laughs> and he saw him naked in magaloop or whatever it was. yeah exactly <laughs> curl's got dirt on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no i think uh, asked me in november december last year or i said curl's not way lasting until the end of the season but i've seen something in him the last few months that i just think there's no point changing now so go up stay down i think we should try and keep hold of him can I just clarify? You saying that you've seen something in him in the last three months? Where have you been seeing him? Because there's been no football, Danny. Have you been just sneaking around to his house? <laughs> I've been in my bush, Charles. He's, he's <laughs> been watching all those calls he's been making to fans on Twitter. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, <Exactly. laughs> absolutely. Love. I mean, before we talk about Cheltenham and um, what we're going to be expecting from them or thinking that we might expect from them. I want to talk about the actual decision that the EFL made to get us to this point because there was quite some controversy, not necessarily in League Two, but there was in League One. Do we all think it was the right decision at the end of the day? Uh, I think we've heard from Chessie and Danny a little bit on this topic before. What were your viewpoints on it, Mark? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, Believe you me, I'm not a man who normally sticks up for the EFL because I think they've made some crazy decisions in the past few years, but they were never going to win this battle. Um, If they'd played on, if we had to play the games for the rest of the season, you would have had clubs going out of business because they couldn't afford the COVID tests every week and they couldn't afford the pure costs. There was no money going to come the EFL or the club's way from the Premier League for that because they were sorting themselves out. Um... So, you know, I know this is an unpopular opinion on, a, on an Northampton Town podcast, but <laughs> I do actually support the right of Darren McAntony to battle for what he battled for. Um, and, you know, at least he came out in the open and had his say. There are some clubs, that I think, that tailed off with him that were not so vociferous about it. Uh, oh, sorry, weren't weren't as sort of open about it and sort of lived off Dara to be their spokesperson, which I think is hiding it. You know, if you feel that way, then you should have come a little bit forward too. Um, so we were never going to get this right. This, there was always going to be lawyers circling this, like vultures waiting for somebody to sort of help and kick off. And it's the same thing that's happening around the world. It's not just happening here. Um, so fundamentally, I am glad that there are League Two playoffs. I am glad that Northampton Town are in them, and I will take that. And I will also uh, give a massive round of applause to the chairman of Port Vale, who said, we yep. don't think we can do it. We'll stand back. Congratulations, Northampton. We're not going to kick up a fuss. We'll see you all in November or October, or whenever it may be. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think. I mean, the one thing that I've had in my mind with it is that, and, and I agree with you there, you know, about even though it is posh and it is Dara, but at the end of the day, you know, he's got his right to have his opinion and to fight for it. And you're quite right. He was pretty much there out on his own almost. Okay, he 
he seemed to have the backing of maybe four or five other clubs. But as you say, they weren't the ones standing themselves up on a pedestal to take the flak. Mm. It's all landed on Darren McAntony and Posh. I'm quite happy to see that happen. Mm. But, you know, he was a pretty much a lone figure almost. And that's not necessarily fair. So my question is really with it is that shouldn't the EFL have actually acted much sooner to make the decision in the first place and to tell them, right, you're going to have to have a vote. And let's get on with it and let's do it. I think there is, an, uh, you, you, know, you could say to the EFL that they, especially in that tail end scenario, the past couple of weeks where it was clear that League Two and the majority wanted to end the season and just have the playoffs. But League One, there was a real fight. It took them about two weeks to get that fight resolved. Now, quite frankly, if I was the EFL on that day, I would have gone, okay, right, there is a big split here. You're all back on the Zoom call, 9 a.m. tomorrow, and you're not leaving this Zoom call until we've resolved this. Um, mm. Because that had to happen for everybody. And we still don't have the definite answer. I mean, you say League 2 is resolved. Let's have a little chat at the bottom. Are Stevenage going? Mm. Are they staying? Are Macclesfield going? Are they staying? I think the debate about Macclesfield is very interesting because – Obviously, EFL have brought further charges against Macclesfield, and Macclesfield have turned around and said, hold on a minute, in the last meeting we had, you said they were being suspended. Suddenly, now they're being brought forward. That sounds like an agenda that you want to kick us out anyway. So, you know, we're going to get kicked out anyway, whatever our financial situation. So I still see lawyers having a field day at somewhere in this EFL season. Um, uh, But you're right, what definitely should have happened is once it was very clear there was indecision at any level of, of, of the of the football league right we're all on a zoom call 9am tomorrow morning cancel your diaries we need to sort this out yeah I, I agree with that I mean the one thing that it did do of course was give Barry Fry the chance to cry live on regional television which is always going to get the ratings up in Northamptonshire um, that was marvellous uh, piece of work was it was it uh, was it Look East or was it Anglia I can't remember which it was one Look East now. mate we always get people crying on Look East <laughs> he was on Five Live as well wasn't he as well that night Oh, but I mean, you, this whole thing though about saying that they've been cheated and 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 this that and the other. At the end of the day, the EFL is a members' club, so him turning around and saying it's the EFL's fault, surely he's got to look at the other twenty-one teams in the league. They are the ones that, at the end of the day, took a democratic vote and decided to go against what Peterborough wanted to do. And while I understand why. Posh wanted to play on because essentially they knew that if the season was going to be curtailed early and it was going to be done on a points per game basis, they would drop out of the playoff position that they were in. All this nonsense about, oh, but we've got a goal difference of 23 goals better than Wickham, who've only got plus. I don't, I just don't care. You know, at the end of the day, on the fairest way of doing it was surely to say, right, because nobody's got exactly the same amount of played games, we're going to have to go and do an average over the course of all the games played in the season, and that's how it works out. Yeah, I, I mean, you, do, you, do you, you know, do you spare tears for Tranmere? Tranmere were what, 0.01 or 0.02 on that PPG away from mm-hmm. safety? Um, and you understand that dropping down to League Two costs you money. Nobody understands that more than the cobblers. We know how much money you lose when you drop down from League One to League Two. 
Um, well, at least they don't have Ash Taylor taking all their wages. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, they have the equivalent. You don't know. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, of course you're going to get winners and losers in that situation. Um, you know, Wickham have kept themselves quite rightly silent because they have committed highland, <laughs> highway robbery, really, haven't they? Let's let's be honest with you, due to PPG. Um, so, you know, it's you're never going to get any any sort of agreement on that. Um the thing that worries me most is the time that it took to get all of this sorted. Um, we haven't got any sort of clarity about when we're coming back to play next season. The thing is with that as well, that I think because we we live in this football bubble as such and football fans are so passionate about that game and, and, and they were so keen for a decision to, to be made. I think a lot of us have lost sight as to why we haven't had football in our lives since March. And, and the crux of it is, is that we're living through a, a global pandemic. And actually, mm. not only does the EFL, the Premier League, whatever, don't know what's going on, nor do the government really. This is literally guesswork. And that's not a dig at anybody. That's just because we've never been faced with this in our lives ever. You know, nothing since what the World War has caused this much chaos in, in globally. So, you know, football actually really is secondary to a lot that's going on in the world and yes there's been some really tricky decisions that have gone on but you know they had to be made and they were never going to be the right ones like you said it was you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't and actually this is a very small part of what's going on globally and we don't know when we're going to play football next but that's probably because we don't know whether we're even going to have a lockdown again whether we're going to be completely set free again no nobody knows it is just guesswork so I think it's it's difficult for football fans to take it but at the end of the day, we have to. We have no choice because football really is a secondary entity to whatever everything else that's going on at the moment. Yeah. At the end of the day, the way that I'm looking at it, and re- this is regardless of whether we were in the playoffs or not, you've got to finish this season in some way, shape or form first. Yeah. And then look at next season. It's all very well and good turning around and going let's when let's look at when we're potentially going to start the next season when's that going to happen well well let's finish this one and concentrate on that first I think you know the issue is in this country is that there's such a disparity between the the teams at the top of the game and those at the bottom financially that's that's where all of this stems from and I know Damien Collins has been talking about bringing up something in in government or in parliament to, to look at that and to actually go and say, right, we've got to do something to ensure that football survives outside of the Premier League, regardless. And not just in this case, because of this pandemic, but for anything that might happen in the future as well. So it's a prime example in League One, really, that that disparity you talk about, Charles, is because you've got, it's such a strange division because you've got people like your Sunderland and your Portsmouth, who are supposedly big clubs, um, but then they've got it into the mix. You've got your Accrington's, your Rochdale's, your AFC Wimbledon's, even that are just that are completely opposite end of them. They're such a they're in the same league, but in a club and finance term, you, you'd think there's such a difference between them between them. And the whole yeah, the whole people thing just really annoyed me because um, it, it was well, it's Peter A because it's Peter, <laughs> but B because it's, there's a complete difference as to the way they approached it and the way Port Vale's chairman Carol Shanahan. Um, approached it it's she was thinking of the entire league and clubs not being able to finish it whereas Darren McCantony and Peterborough were just thinking about themselves and I I get what Mark's saying about um, the fact that no one else came forward that's a valid point but I do think that that 
there's a lot of self-interest in everything in all of it and it just, it just made me really uncomfortable with it so um, I don't feel that much sympathy for them to be honest well to be fair I would hate to be the person at the EFL who has to marshal all of those egos I mean yeah. you know you are dealing with a lot of egotistical people aren't you mm-hmm. they are chairman of football clubs they're owners of football clubs and you know the former owner former owner of Disney is in there you know mm. it's it, you know you're dealing with big characters so you're always going to get those people who uh, want to sort of barge their viewpoint above and and it will always be the ones that are the most media savvy and you know again yeah. it's like you know the reason Darren McAntony gets all the headlines and the reason we see Barry Fye crying on the television is because those two guys know that if they don't get what they want they can easily at least go to Anglia TV Luck East BBC Radio Cambridgeshire, and and they'll get their voice shared, and rightly so, because they're the local media for them. And then that then gets picked up and it gets escalated by the national media. And, you know, maybe, if you want an argument, maybe we haven't been as smart as that in in media over the years. You know, Um, we've just sat there and, you know, had asked, you know, if if somebody's asked asked for our opinion as a club, we've given it. Um, But we've never been on the spotlight as much as, as much as Darren McCantony has. Now, that could be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Yeah, it's a good point, that, because I think that also stems with us as Cobblers fans, and, and there are plenty of them that I've heard in the past say that that we're terrible at being able to sell players for a decent value, whereas look at Peterborough, you know, they're only 45 and out, you know, 60 minutes down the road. Um and, you know, they're, they're able to go and sell plays potentially for, you know, tens of millions of pounds if the rumours about Ivan Tony are to be uh, realised at any point. Yeah, um, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> he's not worth it, is he? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, part of it may well just simply be because we don't shout our mouths off as much. Although we don't have the Who players knows? to sell. <laughs> well, you, you know, because <laughs> that once in a, a while massive, wouldn't help. A massive part of it is the recruitment originally and finding those players that are going to progress and become those players. Of course, that it we is. Sell but on. also at the same time, think of it this way: Mark Bunn yep. sold to Blackburn. Um, who else we had? We had uh, Fraser Hornby. I know that that was more of a um, an EPPP thing or whatever it is, but you know, players have left. Ivan Tony did get sold to Newcastle. Okay, under dubious circumstances, as we all know. Yeah. But Christian there Lee. are players that have gone. Christian Lee. There are players that have gone through <laughs> <laughs> that have gone through either our youth system or have been at the club and then gone on to bigger and better things at, at higher level. Actually, if we'd have just you know, sold one of them for a million, Christian Lee. If that had actually <laughs> happened, then 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 other clubs may well have actually turned around and gone, well, we're not going to get players from that club unless we spend big, which is, I think, what part of it is with Peterborough. I think it's because they've got this reputation now that bigger clubs don't go to them with silly little offers. They, they know that they're going to have to go in with a big, you know, at least seven-figure number in order to prize away one of their star strikers or star players. And that, in a nutshell, Charles, is exactly what's wrong with football at the minute. Yeah, you're right there, but let's not go into that, No, I know, but, but I, just thought, I just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> Can we stop picking up Peterborough as well? I'm, I'm feeling comfortable here. Yeah, it's making me... Yeah, I uh, hate him. Starting to sweat. Hate him. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, it'll be nice next season when we play them, won't it, Danny? There you it go. Will, you can yeah. work your sweat out then. In an empty stadium. We're not allowed to talk about looking ahead. <laughs> well, it's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Moving on. Where's Bukes when you need it? 
<laughs> Let's have it right, Charles. Let's have it right. <laughs> Thanks to Patreon supporter, Melbourne Cobbler. The other bit of news that came out this week, although admittedly maybe not directly through from the club, um, there was a bit of news on the East Stand, wasn't there, guys? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, So, BBC Northampton, Mark Webber's employers, and The Chronicle both reported (laughs) that a deadline of the 31st of July has been set to sign relevant paperwork on a deal for the club to buy the council-owned land next to the stadium and I think I'm right in saying, for a deal worth £500,000. I will be honest, Mr. Webber, as an employee of the BBC, I felt the headline was a little bit misleading. Yeah, I mean, the headline is probably the nominal value of the land. It's not the end value of what may come off that land. Absolutely, I would agree with you on that. But you can only make the documents to the value of the land uh, that's considered. And, And that plot of grass and that plot of tarmac that stops this from happening at the moment... That's how much it's worth. So that's where that 500000 comes from. I think for me, the thing that was confusing, or not necessarily confused me, but when you go into the comments that were in the uh, the Facebook post of that um, that article and the one that the Chronicle released as well, I mean, uh, once, you've, once you've skipped past the ones that just say about give us our money back, once you've got rid of those out of the way, there were people that were obviously in there turning around and going, so are we going to get another loan for £500,000 to be able to finish the state? And that's not what the actual article went on to say at all. But there were people actually questioning and thinking. And, and at first, it did feel almost like, is there another loan going on here? Did anyone else think that, Danny, when you read it? Or was it just me? No, I... Uh... <clears throat> I didn't know what to think about it, honestly. Um, whenever the East End comes up, I'm always very sceptical about what's going on. As <laughs> the club's um, statement was quite basic again, wasn't it? And there wasn't a lot in it in terms of meat to the bone. It was it was all about pro- uh, we're working together, progress has been made. Um, and I kind of switch off sometimes when the East End comes up because I just want to know in layman's terms, which is the only terms I, I understand, <laughs> what's going on. Um, <laughs> And not that much clearer based on the on the whole thing, apart from there might be a, a three million cap for the for the stand and what you could actually build with that. Uh, this is what I cost. don't understand. Why would you cap the amount of money that somebody's allowed to spend to build something? This is I, what I, I don't just care. don't get that. Um I think Charles, it's something to do with the fact that um I can't get enough tractors up there to build <laughs> ten million pounds worth of a stand. Absolutely. No, I fully understand. And obviously, you've got to remember that with uh, the current restrictions of movement during coronavirus, you won't be able to get those tractors yep. up the uh, M4 and beyond, would you? I understand no, that. not um, at all. Of course, it's complicated, all of this. It, it was never going to be easy. Um, to Danny's point, uh, in layman terms, I want to put to me in a layman. The best thing I always suggest to any uh, cobbler's fan is until you see the diggers digging that's that's when it matters yeah and that's, that's what i want to say yeah. yeah yeah and don't change that attitude nothing i think can change that attitude but what this move does and, and why i'm a little bit more hopeful about where we are now as opposed to last week is that deadline that you highlighted in the intro the 31st mm-hmm. of july so that has said that the council need to sign the papers to agree with this partnership agree this agreement to use that land by the 31st of July. 
If they don't, then that agreement falls fallow and you're back to square one. Um, I haven't seen a date ever, and somebody will correct me, I'm wrong, I'm sure if I'm wrong on this. I've never seen a physical date attached to council paperwork on, on the rebuilding of that stand. I've, I've heard intentions to do it. I've seen paper and plans which show what it might look like. I have never seen an agreement which will require the approval of the council laws and the democratic system by the 31st of July, otherwise it falls back in the bin. And I think that deadline makes me a little bit more hopeful that now we're at the stage where many councillors who I know have been actually scratching their heads at Northampton Borough Council about, I keep on hearing that we've done this deal over the stand and I'm, I'm not seeing anything, will now start to see stuff in their, in their minutes and their agenda papers in the next few weeks and months, I think. And there will be a discussion about it, which they can take part in. Um, and then it's up to them. Um, they haven't seen that yet. It's all been done at the sort of executive paperwork level at the moment, but nothing wrong with that. But now we have a date where Northampton Borough Council must be in a position to sign that document, otherwise it goes in the bin. Yeah, I, I like that, and I agree with you on that. It is very positive to have that that thing. Are we, are we saying, just to clarify that, Mark, with what you're saying, the deadline is for... Northampton Borough Council, not the football club. Absolutely, because they are plans that the um, the uh, club has already, in effect, signed. Now, that you could argue, look, the club have to countersign that argument, that 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 uh, that piece of paper, and they have to sign it by the thirty first as well. But I can assure you, uh, from knowing what I know about the deal that is on the tables of Northampton Borough Council at the moment, there will be no problem with uh, the the club signing that agreement because it gets them exactly what they want. It gets them a stand, which will be under the ownership of the club, not Kelvin Thomas uh, and, and, and his company. Um, it will get land released, which could also have future financial benefits to the club. And there is also a financial benefit to the council. And my understanding about that is the financial benefit to the council could actually be more than double the ten million pound they originally owned, hmm. loaned rather. So the idea is that the club build the stand first before doing anything else, right? If I've got it right, that the land is released, so the club can be. Yeah, there's there's a guarantee, cast iron guarantee in the in this document that nothing happens until the stand is built and the mm-hmm. stand is completed and for everybody's agreement. So it's not just like you know, good on B and Q, get a bit of ply, five bits of plywood, <laughs> stick it up, you've got a stand. <laughs> it actually has to be to conform to agreed plans and that. And there will be deadlines put on the construction of that as well. So there will be deadlines that where, you know, the the construction has to be complete. There will be deadlines where people can actually go in there and sit in that stand. So uh, we don't know what those deadlines are yet, but they will be added at a later stage. So there's firm deadlines and nothing can happen until there's a stand that everybody's agreed on built at that ground. And then the rest of the land gets released for other opportunities. Suppose also then coming out of off the back of that must mean that Kelvin Thomas and David Bauer will be in it for the long haul because this isn't going to be as you suggest a quick fix. There's not going to be any just plywood just plastered onto the back of the the carcass of the stand and called done and then let's get the rest of the land sorted. This is going to still take quite a bit of time. They've put they've put four million of the uh, they put four million of their own money into the club. 
and we're at a stage where we still don't have a stand. Um, you know, look, don't get me wrong, Mike Ashley's looking for a football club to buy tomorrow, isn't he? If he no. comes in and gives no. Kelvin Thomas uh, uh, you no. know, 10 million, then maybe it's a different discussion, right? <laughs> in other words, unless somebody with a lot of money comes in and buys them out, not only to the value of what they've put in, but also to the potential value of what's coming, Kelvin and David yeah. are going to stay and are going to invest in that club until they get some of that money back. Now, again, to be clear, some of the profit that might be released from that land, quite a lot of the profit that will be released from that land, will not go straight into the pockets of Kelvin and David. It will go into the pockets of the football club. So if that land does realise high value and is sold on and is worth something, it's not just about getting the stand done, it's actually having a transfer key. And that's the important thing that, that that a lot of, well, not a lot, but the, there's a vocal minority of people online that seem to think call them land grabbers, and that's the that's the phrase that gets thrown about all over the place. And that's a really important thing to me that the money is actually going into the club. So no matter what happens with Kelvin Thomas in the future, the the club has that money, not not the owners at the mm. moment. What what I don't want to get you in trouble, Mark. Okay, with with either your employers <laughs> oh, or with uh, with Kelvin or anything this, like that. Let's get on in the flame of glory, eh? Let's go. <laughs> One of the things that that people will counter what Danny has said yeah. there, the land grabbers' comments, they will counter that by saying that the sorry, the club's owners. I was going to say the club, but that's not true. Yeah. The club's owners aren't as transparent as people want them to be. So, i.e., there's the um, Belle de Jour. British Virgin Islands. Yeah, and there's uh, what happened, what really happened with the 5 U sport money. Mm. I know, personally, my, my thing, just to caveat it before I let you answer the question, is that, personally, I just think, I don't care. It's not my place to know what really happened with 5 U sport. At the end of the day, what I know is what the club said, which is that money didn't emerge. Yeah. Done. Yes. And that's all I'm bothered about. Okay. So I'm happy to tell you what I know. Um, and uh, I will always say that it is important for Cobblers fans to ask questions and, and not to take anybody at face value and to always get an interest. You know, you know, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, football is a business and it's a complicated business. And sometimes you can't just sit in the stand and moan about how bad the team is without actually thinking, what's the story behind this here? What is going on behind the scenes? How is that all operating? And you are well within your rights as fans, and I urge you to you know, go on a spreadsheet accounting course or something like that to get your knowledge up on asking these sort of questions because they're absolutely vulnerable. They're absolutely crucial questions to the running of, of the business. So, five years sport went wrong for two reasons. In my understanding, uh, it went, for, but they all added to money. Um, Five U Sports uh, were very interested at the start and did make claims that they had a lot of money behind them. And the sort of interest for Five U Sports in Northampton Town was uh, our wonderfully skilled coaches and football development people at the club, who the Five U Sport was setting up a football development business, business and coaching schools in Chinese. In China, they wanted to take our skills or learn from the skills we had at Northampton Town with our football coaches and then set up proper coaching schools in China. That was the business plan. Um, so they bought into Northampton Town for the expertise that we have and we still have. Um, but they did not have enough money to sort of meet what they promised that they would have. 
Part of the reason that happened is not to do with them, it's to do with the uppers of the Chinese government. At that time, the Chinese government sent an edict, just as they bought into the club, sent an edict out that all major investment in British football teams should stop and that people should either be lowering their investment as Chinese businesses or should be not putting any more in. And that is why you never saw any more Chinese football, uh, any more Chinese people buying football clubs across uh, the country. And Five U decided that they were to, they had to get their money out. So they were bought out by uh, Kelvin and Dave. So the money came into the club, and then it had to go back out of the club just to get them off the books, so they weren't um, involved in the club anymore. Otherwise, you would have had a shareholder sitting there uh, adding more and more debt to the club who were not effective and not helping the club. So they had to get them off. Now, that's where there are one or two people who are saying uh, that um, when that deal was done to sell shares in Northampton Town to 5U originally, uh, it was done through the Tax light, I suppose they call it, British Virgin Islands, Belle de Jour Company, which is owned by Calvin and David, and therefore they were trying to avoid capital gains tax in England by doing that. The problem with that argument is um, they made no capital gains tax is about making profit on a sale. They made no profit on the sale because they two two or three years later, or however long it was, probably not even that, they had to buy five U back out, but they made a loss. So the loss was negating the profits. There was no capital gains tax. Have I lost you? No, no, no. We're, no, just, no. I, we're well. just concentrating because actually it, <laughs> it makes so, to be honest, sense. Mark. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I, like, so, so I've been told this directly by the football club before. Mm. Kelvin explained this to maybe not actually in quite the layman's terms that you've spelled it out for me, but you know, I, I was aware of this. And the fact is that, that, that essentially, when Five U came in, KT and DB effectively went out, and then they had to come back in, and they did that for the good of the football club. Yeah, basically because Five U had to be removed from the scene for, for whatever reasons, um, and the only people who were immediately available to do that with with the funds to do that were those two. Um, and you know they could have at that point started to walk away. I mean, they still had an interest. They still had a share in Northampton Town. They weren't, like, completely out of it before. Um, but, they, you know, they could have walked away and gone, oh, our problem, we've sold the Chinese. The Chinese are dodgy. Let, let the people of Northampton pick the bill up on that. And they didn't. The question that I've got is why isn't this made as plain and simple, do you think, by the football club? Because... <sighs> I, I know what you've told me because I spoke directly. I sat down, sat opposite Kelvin Thomas with Neil and asked exactly the same question and got the same answer, more or less. Why haven't they just told the fan base? Because in a way, that would quell and quash the little rumours and the, 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 as Danny called them, the vocal minority, saying things like, or questioning things like, well, where did the money really go? Why is Belle de Jour really there? Blah, you know, all the questions well, that, that have been asked. Two things for me. Would it, would it really stop the questions from certain people about the way the club is run? I don't know whether it would. 
Um, I, I, I honestly think if 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 um, if they'd come out and written that in a in a statement and given people access to all of their documents on a public facing website, I still don't think that would have been um, enough for some people. And I really mean some people, you know, as in a small number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing is, all you all sometimes all you need to know as a football fan is. Is my money safe in this club? Is my club safe? Is the money safe? And are we progressing? Those are the three boxes that I think a football fan wants wants ticked. Mm-hmm. Obviously, progression's been hard over the past couple of years. And, and obviously, the more decisions that have been made about managers and getting the wrong manager, perhaps, and having to chop and change managers, it does raise concern. Well, okay, if you're not getting it right on the field, are you getting it right off the field? I think the East stands becomes the elephant in the room which always drives suspicion towards whoever owns the club and again rightly so you must never 100 percent uh just take in what everybody says when they're running this club uh or any club for that matter um but i think having and continually not having the east stand settled makes a lot of northampton town fans rightly think whoever's in the charge of their their club you know are they the right people and you know I've just mentioned, well, let's have Mike Ashley in. And how, how would people feel about that? How would people no. feel now? You know, I, I can tell you now, Mike Ashley is looking for a football club to buy in the Football League. I'll tell you that right now. What happens, if he, turned up, what happens <laughs> if he turned up at PTS Academy tomorrow with 15 million in his bank account and said, here you go, Calvin, here you go, Dave, I'll buy you two off. I'm now going to be the new saver in Northampton Town. Um, that stand over there, yeah, turn that into Sports Direct, mate. No problem. We'll have that in the Sports Direct in 30 seconds. And, 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 you know, all I'd say is there are people, you know, whoever you, whoever runs the club will always be under suspicion. Yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, completely and utterly. And I do think that part of the problem, it, it's the it's the same issue that Man United had after Fergie left. Yeah. Whatever happens is always going to happen in the shadow of what happened before. And that's the problem. And that is kind of the thing that that any owner that came in after the last regime was going to have to battle against. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing. Um, I don't want to go on about it anymore because I want to end it on a positive um, not that that isn't a positive that, that there's this deadline of the 31st of July. Clearly it is. Hopefully we'll see some movement. Um, and, and yeah, and I will echo what you've said, Mark, about asking questions. I, I do definitely agree that that is what you should do. I will also say on top of that is that those questions should always be directed to the people that can actually answer them. Mm. So thank you, Mark, for <laughs> pretending to be that person. <laughs> well, uh, that goes for the fans as well. You know, in the next couple of weeks, all I beg Northampton Town fans to be is Keith Curl's biggest fan. And yeah. back Keith Curl. But forget that thing over there that's got a hole in it uh, and we're still waiting to be built. And forget whether somebody's got an account in the British Virgin Islands. Forget all of that. Just be Keith Curl's biggest fan for the next week. That's all you need to be. I'm Ricky Holmes and it's all cobblers to me. Let's turn our attentions back to this game this week then against Cheltenham. Two-legged affair. Obviously, we're at home for the first one. First of all, 
what do we know about Cheltenham other than the fact that Charlie Good likes to wind up their diminutive striker? <laughs> I've got some breaking news, Charles. Do you want some breaking news on the crowd? I'd love the, some breaking um, news. Face of the crowd. Uh, so we've just 15 minutes ago, a message went out from the club saying we've sold over 900. Yay! Which is great. Uh, just had a look at Cheltenham's numbers, 855. Hey, so, 45. Psychological oh, 45. war's been won already. <laughs> <laughs> one nil <Yeah. laughs> it's right to the EFL I think that means a point it's the same equivalent as a plus 23 goal difference <laughs> plus 23 faces <laughs> <laughs> so seriously what are we expecting from Cheltenham Chessie I've not heard your voice in a little while and you're from almost that neck of the there's woods there's no India Cheltenham no <laughs> I know it's not <laughs> Closer than I am in Blinking Warrington. Well, well, put it this Not way. Much, I am, I'm a long way away from Cheltenham. However, it is one of the very few games that we can get there and back in on a weekday. So if it's a Tuesday night game, we can just about get to Cheltenham. But it is still two hours, Charles. Don't care. Still valid. There you <laughs> I'm, go. Not, Carry I'm on. not from Wilshire. I'm from Somerset. But uh, whatever happens, it's going to be tough. But it is going to be, I think... Um, a test of fitness and a test of mental strength. And if Alan McCormack's inside, well, he'll be fine. We just got to make sure we we keep him bubble wrapped until until the day. It is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I tell you what, though, if it is a case of it just coming down to fitness, I mean, what I've seen on Instagram, Harry Smith has not run so far in his life on his own. From what I've seen on Instagram, every day he's moaned about going out to run a quick five k. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> well, I think I think it, it it's a sh- it's short cu- short term. Uh, what's what am I trying to say? You're gonna have to edit this edit this out. I'm really sorry. So it's I'm, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> short term what? So it's, they've had to work really hard in this short term. I say short term. It's been 44 years, um, but it's been a long. It's not been a long time that they've had to to train on their own as such. And if and if that sacrifices had to be made for that few months where they've had to run 5k every day and they've had to train on their own in the back gardens whatever they've had to do then if our fitness is the winner as such then we'll, we'll take that you know whatever with whatever it comes with you know it's just a case of of going there with really good mental strength which actually if you look at Keith Curl and his record and his man management and the way this team seem to really work on their morale as a group of players I think we're in with a shot because he's worked really hard to get this group of players to be very reminiscent of the 2016 group of players and that's really key I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. We'll obviously have a proper preview of the opposition from somebody that actually knows what they're talking about <laughs> on our playoff live bonanza on Thursday. So I come in bring, and watch uh, that. I can bring one to the table, Charles, and that's uh, I'm going to do it especially for Mark because he's from Newport, uh, this guy, um, Ryan Broom, who's yeah. their creative midfielder. And he's standalone their best player. And just he will be in League One and above next season. I'm pretty sure of that. He's He's a quality player, and he's he's going to win the, be the one that's pulling all the strings. Pretty sure it's not going to be Bentoza, but yeah, it, <laughs> it, he is. Um, I'm surprised he didn't go in January. To be honest with you, to a higher place, maybe he thought, right, well, we're in for the playoffs, so I'll, I'll uh, that'll get me even more glory. He, he will land up at a, a League One side next season, uh, whether that's Cheltenham in League One or somebody else. And um, it, I think if they control Broom, they control the game. 
it has to be a win for me at home because I can see Cheltenham that following week getting getting themselves geared up for a, a home win over there. Interestingly, uh, we've not played any friendlies. We've not had any pre-season friend, uh, pre-return friendlies, whereas Cheltenham have played Cardiff in a pre-return friendly and they lost 3-0. So yeah. maybe they're out mm. of maybe they really are wobbly and rusty. <laughs> out of form. <laughs> yeah, out of form. They are out of form. Out of form. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know that's a really good point, actually. I'm glad you brought it up. This whole thing of not playing friendly, it does worry me a little bit. I I'm I'm not I'm not bothered. Um I think um, you know, I agree that there's so much intensity in the in the in the squad to do this right. And they're doing it their own way. And I think Keith Curl has to play his own game and his his own way. And, and yeah, all right, if you play a friendly, you test your way of playing against the other people. But I, what would you have learned against friendly? So say, I don't know, who would it be? It'd have to be Luton, wouldn't it, right? Say you had a behind closed doors with Luton because they were going back into the championship. What do you think you would have learned if you were Keith Curl more than having an extra training session and not risking players from injury? I was to also just about to, to say that. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I was also just about to say as well, Mark, what if someone breaks a leg? Yeah, they're out. They're yeah, out. exactly. You know, what if what if one of your key players, I know I always say him because I love him, but Alan McCormack, <laughs> a leader and somebody who our game is completely different when he's playing to when it's not. Imagine if he broke his leg. Yeah, absolutely. Also, our, also what, what, what we build our tactics on isn't exactly... No, I don't want to dis- <laughs> put a... Um, What's the word? Spanner? No, no, no. Um, Downer. You don't want to dislude. No, uh, no <laughs> yeah, well, I do. <laughs> I don't want to... Um, uh, what's the word? This is like Countdown. This is like Countdown. This is how it's from Wiley Field. She's waiting for... Three, I've got a seven-letter word. <laughs> I don't want to put down Keith Cole's chat tactics, that's what I'm going to say, but it's not exactly something you need to work on all the time, I'm guessing. It, it is... It, and it's, it works and it's effective and you just go out and do it, surely. I mean, it's, it, Hopefully. it's you know, for me, like I say, they, if they played a friendly, it would have had to have been against Luton or um, a championship side nearby. They couldn't have travelled very far. They wouldn't have been able to play anybody in League One because that was still all over the place. So... Yeah, it would have been I, Leicester then, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose Leicester, Leicester. It would have been Leicester, and then what? The under-23 side, wouldn't it, really? Let's be honest with you. Mm. They would have been this, it would have been the subs that they're going to put on the nine-sub bench. You know, um, it's mm. not... I, I don't know what we, At the end of the day, we're playing Cheltenham, who are in the same division as us. If you've got a chance to play Plymouth Argyle again, or you've got a chance to play um, Carlisle again, then fair enough. But it's not. By the way... Sorry, sorry to say this. Cheltenham is in Gloucestershire, not Wiltshire. <laughs> Either or, all. they're all the same. They all talk funny, and they're all related. They're all related to each other. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Right, let's get some predictions. Yes, yes Daddy's been waiting for this moment I'm waiting for, for weeks about to do seven this. years. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
We'll go down the list. Chessie, you're going to give I'm us not, a prediction. I can't. Just, I'm really just sorry. Do it no, I can't Lord. do it. It's just the home leg. No, it's I just can't the home do leg. it. I'm really sorry because because the, I'll tell you why I can't do it. It's because I live in Somerset where I am surrounded by Exeter fans and Yeovil fans and Bristol Rovers fans. So what? And they will so absolutely what? crucify me if I give a prediction and get it wildly wrong. So I just can't. And I'm so superstitious. I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm opting Are they listening to the podcast? All right, then. All right. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Just just do me a favour. Pick a number from one to ten. <laughs> ten. Ten. Okay, brilliant. Ten nil prediction from Chessie. Brilliant. I can do Thank that. I can much. do a stupid prediction. That's fine. That wasn't a stupid one. That was your serious one. We're leaving it at that. <laughs> Danny, come on. You're excited. I'm really excited to make this prediction, Go Charles. Uh, I'm going... There's going to be goals. Um, and I'm going 2-1 Ooh. to the Mighty Cobblers, of course. 2-1. An away goal. I think we're going to go 2-0 up. Does an away goal count? Does <laughs> it mean we're going 2-0 up and then... No, it doesn't. No, surely not anymore, does it? I don't think it does, does it? Away goals no, count, no. don't they? No, I don't think they I do. I don't think it does anymore, does it? Oh, do they not anymore? I hope not. No. I hope not. Oh, it was so annoying because no, the first year they took that out was when we played Mansfield, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Extra time that's and penalties. It. Yeah, that's it. Right. Uh, well, that's good. So 2-1. So we're going to be fine. So yeah. it's a it's a victory to kick us off from you, Danny. I'm I'm going with a KG yeah. 1-0 win and the Danes going to get it. Can you imagine? I'm sorry. Well. Can you yeah. imagine if the Dane Oliver scores in the playoffs? That oh my god. <laughs> the Danes on it. I'm telling you now. Yeah. He, he's souped up. I can tell. I've been I've been <laughs> looking at his Instagram, and he just looks fired up and ready to go. He wants to play that football match, and he wants to put the ball in the net. It's going to be great. Um, normally, we'd go to Neil, and Neil would predict seven five or something equally as ridiculous. Just got text uh, from tonight, Neil. Tonight, though, we got. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah, here we just go. Got then. Text from Neil just this minute. He just texted me. Uh, is saying five four to Cheltenham, which is pretty shocking. Um, Awful. Yeah. Does he have goal scorers attached, or is he not bothered with that this time? No, he can't be bothered with that. Good, he says uh, Brooms, um, Brooms just going to sweep everything up under his feet. Uh, Mr. Mark Webber, can I trouble you for a prediction, sir? Yeah, I'm with Danny on this one. 2-1. Um I, I, the, the nervous, horrible part of me thinks 1-1. One, one. It's not a scoreline I want to take to Cheltenham, but I don't think you can dismiss Cheltenham as not scoring anything. I think they will score something. Um, so I'll have to go 2-1 with Danny. Thank you very much, guys. That is it for this week's pod. Don't forget, we're live on Zoom on Thursday for our live playoff preview bonanza from 6.45pm. Make sure you join us for an evening that you won't want to miss, but we might want to forget. (laughs) It's All Cobblers to Me is a Vibrant Sound Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Juxtaposition. Bonanza. Bye, Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. 
By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.